Our scripture reading this morning comes from Matthew chapter 6. We're reading in verses 5 through 15. Uh, This passage contains the Lord's Prayer that we just heard David so beautifully sing. Uh, Jesus' words when he's teaching us how to pray. Now, oftentimes, whenever we hear the Lord's Prayer, I think we have a tendency to kind of just isolate it. Uh, We kind of like take it and we remove it from the context, from the body in which Jesus is sharing and teaching us and instructing us. So this morning, as we hear Jesus' instruction, I invite us to hear the Lord's Prayer within the context of the Sermon on the Mount, within Jesus' teaching on how we might have a fulfilled life and how this prayer leads us into that life, how uh, this becomes a prayer that leads us into Jesus' ways of righteousness, of uh, being in right relationship with God and right relationship with others. So we're reading here in Matthew chapter 6. Uh, Verse 5, Jesus is teaching his disciples and those who are gathered around him. And he says, uh, whenever you pray, do not be like the hypocrites, for they love to stand and pray in the synagogues and at the street corners so that they may be seen by others. Truly, I tell you, they have received their reward. But whenever you pray, go into your room and shut the door and pray to your father who is in secret. And your father who sees in secret will reward you. When you are praying, do not heap up empty phrases as the Gentiles do, for they think that they will be heard because of their many words. Do not be like them, for your Father knows what you need before you ask Him. Pray then in this way, Our Father in heaven, hallowed be your name. Your kingdom come, your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread. And forgive us our debts, as we also have forgiven our debtors. Do not bring us to the time of trial, but rescue us from the evil one. For if you forgive others their trespasses, your heavenly Father will forgive you also. But if you do not forgive others, neither will your Father forgive your trespass. This is the word of God for us, the people of God. We say thanks be to God. So as Jesus is beginning to teach us how to pray, uh, he first begins by telling us a couple of things that we shouldn't do, right? When you pray, don't do these things. He says, don't be like the hypocrites, right? Don't be like the people who are just putting on a show. Don't use prayer as an attempt to make yourself look good. Don't just post thoughts and prayers on social media if you're not really praying or if you're not really doing anything about it. Don't pray in public if you're not praying in private. Essentially, Jesus is instructing us, he's teaching us, he's telling us that prayer isn't a show. It's not for us to put on a performance for others, but again, we have an audience of one. Prayer is first and foremost about God, about our connection, our relationship with God. It doesn't mean that we can't pray for others or that we cannot pray corporately. I mean, I stand up here uh, every Sunday morning and we say a prayer together, uh, pastoral prayer, congregational prayer. I don't think that's what Jesus means. What he's speaking of is what's going on within our hearts. Whenever we go to pray, what is our focus? I mean, it might even apply to people who are a little bit anxious or nervous about praying in public. Jesus' instruction or wisdom might be, stop worrying about what the people around you are going to think about your prayer. You're not praying to them. You're praying to me. Our hearts, our minds, our lives in prayer are focused towards God. 
Uh, And so God who sees us, God who is with us in the midst of our prayer, rewards us. He also says when you pray, uh, don't be like the Gentiles. Don't be those people who just uh, throw up a whole bunch of words, who get involved in uh, vain repetition, as it says in the King James Version. Now, there's some people, uh, some places that would suggest that, you know, praying the Lord's Prayer on a weekly basis the way that we do is this vain repetition, right? I mean, we're just kind of saying these words that we've memorized. I don't think that's what Jesus means when he says, don't be like the Gentiles and just uh, be involved in this repetitiousness of prayers. Uh, See, when Jesus was talking, uh, there was this practice of Gentile people, of non-Jewish people, uh, to offer up prayers to their own gods, uh, prayers that oftentimes began with a lot of vanity. While Jews and Christians alike pray to a God of loving kindness who knows what we need, pagans, non-Christian, non-Jewish persons, had a different view of God. To them, the gods were far removed from the daily grind of life. All right, so before you could get Zeus uh, or Athena or one of the other gods to hear your requests, you first had to get their attention. And, and there were so many people who were throwing requests their way. If you wanted to get to the front of the line, you better do a really good job of buttering them up so that they hear you because they only have so much time to give anyways. And uh, so you want to make sure that your prayer is heard. You wanted to make the gods feel good about themselves so they would hear your request and so they would answer. These kind of prayers to get long because sometimes it could take a while to get one of these other gods' attentions. Jesus says you don't have to do that. You don't have to try really hard to get God's attention. You don't have to try to butter God up in order for him to hear your prayers because he already knows What you need. Our God isn't distant. The God that we serve, the God that we follow isn't, you know, too busy. He's not asleep. He's not off doing something else. In fact, he already knows what we need because he made you. He created you. He loves you. He sees you. He's with you and he's ready to hear you. So you don't have to go through all this process that the Gentiles, that the pagans would go through because God is already Working for your good. God is already working for the good of those who love him and are called according to his purpose. Maybe you just need to be reminded of that this morning. That whatever you're going through, Jesus sees it. God sees it. He knows it. And he's already working. So as you present your needs, as you present your requests, as you present your concerns to God, he's already ready and willing and able to hear. And you can trust that he's working for you, that our God is faithful, that he cares deeply for us. See, even as Jesus is teaching us how to pray, he's telling us how not to pray, he's reminding us about God's faithfulness and his love for his people. So being confident in who God is, being confident that God cares deeply for us, his children, Jesus tells us to pray in this way. Now, we could examine the Lord's Prayer uh, in a lot of different ways. We could look at it as a pattern for our own prayer. We could try to explore the meaning of each of the lines and think about their bearing on our own prayers. I mean, we could make a whole six or seven week sermon series out of this. But but this morning, I just want to take note of a couple of ways 
that this prayer might influence our own, a couple of ways that the Lord's prayer might lead us towards a more fulfilled life. And so first, we can see in Jesus' instruction on how to pray that the purpose of prayer is to glorify God and to ask for help to accomplish his will on earth. The prayer that Jesus teaches us to pray begins with God's interests, not ours. God's name, God's kingdom, God's will. Uh, The Scottish writer Robert Law said, Prayer is a mighty instrument not for getting man's will done in heaven, but for getting God's will done on earth. Now surely in prayer we can present our own needs and concerns. I mean, Jesus even says, come to me all you who are weary and heavy laden and I will give you rest. There is uh, an invitation for us to share our needs and concerns with God, trusting that he will meet us in the midst of that. You know, God is concerned with our needs enough that he already knows them. But as Jesus teaches us to pray, he's teaching us to pray in a way that brings our needs in line with the fulfillment of God's kingdom and God's will. As we pray for the needs and concerns within our lives and as we pray for God's will to be done on earth as it is in heaven, we're preparing our hearts to hear God's answer and to put God's answer to its proper use. Praying in this way empowers us to trust that God is good. It brings us into the place where we can see a vision for our life and for the world that is bigger than our own. You know, as a parent, um, I pray for my children regularly. And at times, I'm tempted to pray for the outcomes that I desire for them, right? The things that I, as a parent, want for them. I, I tend to pray for my will to be done in their lives. When I pray for my will to be done in their lives, a lot of times that just makes me a little bit more anxious. It makes me a little bit more kind of controlling because if they're not moving in the direction that I want them to go, I've got to clamp down on that. You know, I've got to come around that. But there are other times when I'm able to to think a little bit more clearly, I guess, whenever I'm in a a better perspective as I approach prayer and I'm able to pray for God's will to be done in their lives. And there's a different kind of feeling that I get whenever I'm praying for God's will to be done in their lives. Because as I pray for God's will to be done in their lives and not just my own, I'm reminded that God cares about them more than I ever could. That God knows them deeply, intricately, the ways that he has crafted them, the way that he has created them, the way that he has gifted them even better than what I would ever have the opportunity to know. I'm praying for God's will to be done in their lives above my own. It doesn't absolve me from my responsibility to them as a parent, to shepherd them and to guide them. But it can give me a great comfort to know that even despite my failures, my shortcomings as a parent, that God is going to be working for their good, that God is bigger than my shortcomings and my mistakes. It's a reminder as I pray for God's will to be done in their life. that I also need to pray for God to be at work within my life. That as I'm praying for God's will to be done in their lives, that I need to pray for God to do a transforming work in me to continue to make me into the kind of parent that he's created and called me to be. So we pray for God's will to be done. First and foremost, it it takes our attention and, and it puts it on him. It takes our attention off of the challenges that we face, off of the issues in front of us, and it puts us on the one who is faithful, the one who hears us, the one who loves us and is working for our good. So first, our prayers are focused on God's will and God's kingdom, not our own. The second thing 
that we notice throughout the Lord's Prayer, the prayer that Jesus teaches us. If you read through it, you'll see there, there are no singular pronouns in the Lord's Prayer. All right, we pray, Our Father. We pray for our daily bread to forgive us our debts, to lead us not into temptation. Jesus' prayer reminds us that we are part of God's worldwide family of believers. It reminds us that we are part of a community, that we're not merely individuals devoid of attachment to others. That as we pray for God's will, the answer is going to be a blessing to all of God's people. It's, it's a reminder that we're, that we're in this together. Jesus' prayer reminds us that we were created to be in relationship with God and relationship with others. And it invites us into those kinds of connections, those kinds of relationships. As my, as my heart is focused upward on God's will and God's plan, as I'm praying within a community of people who God has placed in my life, I'm more able to see the needs of others around me to lift them up. And I'm able to be reminded that there are people that God has placed in my life to encourage, to support, and to help point me towards him. As Jesus finishes up his instruction on prayer, his final words in this passage remind us that true praying is truly a family affair. It's why he reminds us about the importance of forgiveness. To forgive as we've been forgiven. Uh, To forgive as a true sign that we understand God's forgiveness towards us. If God has gone to such great lengths to send his only son, uh, to live a perfect life, to die on the cross, to be raised from the dead so that we might have forgiveness, that we might have life everlasting. And how can we not forgive the people who God has placed around us? It reminds us that if members of the family are not getting along with one another, it's much harder to claim that we have a right relationship with God. So Jesus' prayer calls us to remember that connection we have with others, to remember what God has done for us, and to live in response to that. And prayer becomes life-giving for us when it leads us into God's purposes for our lives. Whenever we're able to pray for God's will to be done and listen for him to guide us in those steps, our life becomes more fulfilled. Prayer becomes life-giving for us when it deepens our trust in the God who already sees and knows our needs. Prayer becomes life-giving for us when it brings us into stronger connection with others, able to see and recognize the concerns of the people around us. Prayer leads us into righteousness as it fixes our eyes upon God, distances us from the world, and brings us into that strong sense of family and community with the people around us, to care about the needs of those around us, and to be moved to act in God's will towards them. You know, in many ways, Jesus' prayer connects us with the sacraments that we celebrate of baptism and communion. In the same way that the Lord's Prayer uh, places us in right relationship with God and in right relationship with others, so too uh, does baptism remind us of the claim that God has upon our lives, the grace that goes before us, the grace that saves us, the grace that leads us into new life. Baptism that brings us into God's family 
that marks us, that identifies us as one of his children and brings us into connection with others. In communion, we also celebrate and remember what God has done for us in Christ Jesus. We remember and celebrate uh, the heavenly banquet that's come down to earth, that we might become participants within God's kingdom. And in communion, we join together with brothers and sisters here and around the world to become participants in God's mission in the world.